Welcome to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun on the web and around the world. Life Tips President Byron White talks to the latest trendsetters about strategies to grow your business. Now, please welcome this week's Life Tips host, Byron White. Welcome, everyone, to today's show. I'm here with our co-host, Mandy, from the new palatial industrial-looking offices here at Life Tips. Welcome, Mandy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so we're very excited to be uh, in our new office locations. What, what's the vibe here in the new office, Mandy? Do you, do you like what you Oh, I love it. I love The vibe is so cool. It's, it's like uh, fresh energy. You know, I mean, you walk in the place, and it's just top to bottom. There's a lot of energy here. It's, it's very cool. I love it. Now, it's tough to describe this space, uh, but if for the listeners out there that need a visualization, how would you sort of describe it? Well, you know what? We've got this great open-air workspace where everybody can talk and everybody can shoot ideas around, and we're not, we're not enclosed in little cubicles. It's, it's a great work environment because everybody can just sort of talk and, and interact, and it really encourages everybody to sort of be more of a team. That's what it feels like. feels like we're a better team this way. Now, LifeTips has moved from a 2,000-square-foot office to a 5,000-square-foot office. I don't know about you, but this place feels like it takes 10 minutes to walk to the bathroom to get across the, the floor here. Do you it feel big to you, too? <laughs> yes, and I keep getting lost, too. I cannot find my way here. <laughs> and you would think with a place that was open air, it wouldn't be that hard. No, I've gotten lost you know, several times. I actually ended up going into the broom closet for the bathroom. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, always a good sign of, of right. growth when you get lost in your own office. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's got an industrial flair to it. Um, you know, including um, plastic walls that are see-through to metal studs. Uh-huh. Um, funky. What, what's your feeling about that look? Does it, does it look? Does it look unfinished to you, or does it look just no, plain funky? No. Like, who would ever design space like this? No, you know, with the return to, with, with mod being the trend of the year right now, I mean, we certainly, we found ourselves an awesome vintage spot. It looks like we've got the, the you know, the bare brick, and we've got the, the mix of the old and the new. We've got these great hardwood floors and this great open air area, and it's it's got this mix of the old and the new, and I like that. I think that's... That's good for our company, too. We're always a mix of, of the old ideas that work with the ever-changing pace of business. It's very, mm. you know, it all works together. I like it. It's got a good good flow to it. <clears throat> what don't you like about the office so far? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe if, if, you, if I could have a map to find my way around the office, <laughs> I would, it would be a great help to me. <laughs> now, tell, tell the audience a little bit about the location as well. Sort of interesting to to be in a, in a major paradigm shift from where we came from. Right. Well, we came from Charlestown, which is a cute, quaint little area that, that was, you know, a little little remote. It was a little bit more removed. And we, we were right on the water, which was fantastic. But now we've moved to, you know, Dead Square into Boston. We're in the North End. We're in the hub of excitement and opportunity. And we're in the middle of all these other great businesses. And, you know, we're in the North End, so there's great food. <laughs> That's pretty much all we do around here is eat, but it really is the hub of of business. It's a great, really exciting place to be. I'm I'm really happy that we made the move. Good call. Mm-hmm. The 
Now, do you think we should all weigh in on a scale and, and actually track the growth <laughs> of our body parts as a result of being that next would be to the... Cruel. That would be the, cruel and unusual <laughs> torture. <laughs> um, now, I wonder what the concept is out there in the general workplace. You've worked for a couple of other companies. Your last company was, of course, in, the, in Siberia uh, as far as Boston <laughs> location is concerned. But yep. Maybe it's just me. I tend to work through lunch. Do you think people actually get out on the on the causeway here and walk through the park and, and have a somewhat normal business life? <laughs> What's the vibe out there? I haven't been outside for lunch yet, literally. Well, you know, I think at the old office there wasn't a whole lot to do around our area. It wasn't as much of a hub, so we weren't we weren't as into the idea of going outside. But now it's nice to go out. It's nice. To, we're actually talking about having our meetings outdoors on nice days, which I think would really encourage some great brainstorming to get outside, get the fresh air flowing. It it really is a gorgeous area, and I think it would be nice for us to sort of expand ourselves out of the traditional office workplace environment. Sounds like a sales pitch to me, and a good one, I might add. <laughs> Um, now, what what about the the whole role that you're kind of quickly taking on here of managing uh, 500 freelance writers? How's that going? It's fantastic. We actually were we're going through a great recruiting process right now, so we're looking for some really awesome new writers who can really offer some fantastic tips in a clear and and concise manner. And in addition to that, we're also doing a lot of book publishing now, and we've got you know great marketing going on. We're, we've got I'm I'm wearing a hundred hats right now, and I love it. It's great. It's good energy, and we've got new writers coming on board all the time who have fantastic ideas for new tips. I mean, it really is my blowing to handle this but it's it's great now tell the audience a little bit about the whole book publishing deal and and what your vision is there and where you're trying to take that well, you know what, the book publishing, uh, we've, we've sort of been focusing on, on really recruiting in the past few months. So the book publishing's kind of gone off by the wayside, but we're bringing it right back into focus. And we're going we're gonna to really make a big push to get some great books out there. We've had a lot of big uh, book pitches in the, fa- in the past uh, few weeks, and I've got some great books already underway with some of our writers. Um, so any of our writing gurus have the opportunity to write a 101 tip book with us on the subject matter of their choosing. They can come up with, uh, you know, they can come up with the categories and the, the topics. And we really encourage our writers to do that. I think it's a great opportunity for them to get themselves published and to become more marketable, not only with us, but in, in the regular world. Hmm. The regular world as opposed to us. I love that. We're very irregular. <laughs> we the, are. <laughs> <laughs> how perfect. Um, now, what is the deal with book publishing in general? Is there, just tell tell the audience a little bit about how that deal spiel works with uh, with anybody being able to publish a book free of charge, you know, all that stuff. Give, give, well, give people is, a lowdown. It is a great opportunity to, to come to us and, and you present your idea to me because I'm in charge, which is great. And I go, I go through all these fantastic book pitches and we, we pick out whoever wants to do a good book after we've edited all 101 tips. And, and as a side note, what's great about that is that there are no deadlines. You can do this at your own pace. Nobody's breathing down your neck to get a deadline in. Um, so everyone submits their tips, and then we go through. We, we take care of all the printing. We take care of the publishing. We take care of all of those extra little things. And then we actually sell through Amazon.com, and we sell through BarnesandNoble.com. And the authors are welcome to purchase their own books at a discount and they can resell it, which is great. So everybody makes a little money off of it. We make very little money off of it, I hate to tell you, but the authors, it, it is a good opportunity for them to get out there and get their names out there. It's very easy. 
Tell tell everyone what the authors actually make per book. The book sells for nine dollars and ninety nine cents. What does an author make when they publish a book? I think the authors make about two dollars per book after after all is said and done. But we've had some of our authors really sell very large volumes of books. So, I mean, if you're willing to really dedicate yourself to getting your book out there, we, we've had people go out and do their own book tours, book signings. I mean, if you want to get your own name out there, this is the way to do it. Now, to see the books, you can go to Amazon and type in lifetips.com, or type in lifetips, all one word, and you'll see we have 31 books up there now. Is that right? Uh-huh, yep. Yep. And what is your target goal for year-end? How many more books can you imagine bringing in based upon the preliminary feel you have from writers? I'd like to take on, and I'm going to set a, a very reasonable goal. I'm going to say we're going to do 100 books this year. By this time next year, I'd like to have 100 fresh new books up on those websites from our amazing gurus. Because we're certainly not on a shortage of book pitches right now. I mean, we've already got our hands knee-deep into, uh, into the book publishing. So I don't see any reason why we couldn't have 100, maybe even more. Now, the, the, the written language, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break in a minute and, and bring on our fabulous guest, uh, Tim Ash, who will once again entertain us with regards to landing page optimization. Always a pleasure to chat mm-hmm. with Tim, and great to have him back after his book is published. But the, uh, speaking of the book publishing, I mean, do you think that this art of, of, uh, of, of in this labor, in this love of publishing books is is really going to have an interesting new twist in the next couple of years, particularly with Google starting to poke around at, at article writers and people that are publishing content and doing that oh, in yeah. their new engine. I mean, yeah. do you think that this antiquated art might just spin its way back in and, and to be a player, to be, you know, to be an authority in your topic, that you will need to become an author in, an, in, in a particular topic? Well, you know what's great is, is back in the day, publishing your own book seems like such a, a far-fetched idea. Everybody wanted to publish a book, but it just seemed like a, you know, an insurmountable goal. You, you just weren't really going to do it. You know, most people never really get around to publishing that novel. This is actually, there is a huge boom in book publishing right now. And if you really are a guru, if you really are an expert in something, we have a place for you. You know, it's very easy to publish these books. They're print-on-demand books. If you want to order one copy of your own book just to give your family, you can do that. It's very user-friendly. Our publishing department is very easy to do. So we are bringing publishing to the masses. Anybody that's got something really great to say, we can, we can get it all together, and, and you've got a book, and it's very easy. Well, let's take a uh, Webmaster Radio uh, station break here. We'll be back in a minute with Tim Ash. Life Tips on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue Magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah, I get all my information online. (laughs) I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. (laughs) Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues, blogs, and more at RevenueToday.com. Wow, mine's got a centerfold. Revenue Magazine, the performance marketing standard. For more information, go to RevenueToday.com. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, Here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting in a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. 
I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted Fast Click, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching Snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. you got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details value click media the shoe money show i think ask jesus is probably the first search engine i ever used they have such a brand with that butler it's really like almost the first social search engine like what all these companies are still trying to do even though it was still an, an algorithm but i mean it, was, it had that feel like there's a butler there serving you and it had the whole brand thing down and i agree though that the butler is rolling over his grave i mean this one awesome ask jeeves it's really sad they got away from a, a very cool core product the Shoe Money Show. Live broadcast Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We're on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Find Webmaster Radio now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Add us today from the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. And now back to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Tim Ash, the author of the fabulous new book, Landing Page Optimization. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Byron. How are you? Terrific. Great to hear your voice. I practically smile and just hearing you talk because you're such a happy-looking guy. <laughs> it's great I've to see compared you. compared to Alfred E. Newman in Mad Magazine. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I can visualize that, actually, but much better looking, I might add. Well, uh, let's just say I have all my teeth still. Um, so Tim tell us how the book is doing it's uh, off to a rip roaring start at one point we hit uh, number 12 in the computer and internet category on Amazon Uh, thousands of people have bought the book and it's only been a few weeks since its launch wow that must be exciting for you to, to know that people are reading your precious words well, I was I wondered about that in in the midnight hours as I was writing it over the past year, and it's gratifying to see it actually being put to good use. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about <clears throat> about some of your uh, involvement in promoting the book. I'm really interested in that. Or are you you had a fabulous debut at, at SES? I know. What's what's the promotional tour look like, and is your publisher helping you with a tour? Tell us, get us, get us, get us in tune with that. Sure, I'm working with uh, the Cybex division of John Wiley and Sons Publishing. Of course, you, you've heard of them; they've been around a couple hundred years and are one of the top publishers. And uh, they've been very helpful in helping promote the book through the media, set, setting up opportunities to uh, use excerpts from the book in in other outlets. Uh, as you mentioned, we had a, a very successful book signing at Search Engine Strategies in New York, and we're also doing a lot uh, with our public relations firm around uh, social media and getting the word out that way to very targeted, interested audiences. Interesting. And, you know, t- 
tell us about the the writing of the book and and you know as i've read through it there's just a lot of there's a lot of seemingly pulled in data from transpiring your entire life from analysis of the brain and how it works onwards to various things. I mean, this is a monster here, Tim. Tell us about how long it took you to produce it and create it and how and how much help you had along the way just in people, you know, looking at it and giving you feedback on it. Well, I, it, this was my first book and uh, I had a lot of support from the, the editorial team at Wiley. Uh, I was actually surprised at how the process of writing a technical book goes down uh, the most important thing from the publisher's viewpoint is to get a fresh topic and to get a book out in a timely manner so it has as long of a shelf life as possible. So from the time I signed the the contract, it only took 11 months until it appeared on bookstore shelves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the way that the books are written is actually you start with a single chapter, and as you're writing follow-on chapters, you're already getting reviewed versions of your early chapters back in various stages of production. So when I hand in the final chapter, all they have to do is wrap that one up, and they're ready to go to print within a couple of months of that. I know you have four tips you're going to share with us at the end of the at the end of our uh, our interview with you today, but let's dive in a little bit into landing page optimization, some of your philosophies, and and. And you know, just give us give give the audience a quick snapshot with really the excitement that you're helping to bring to the table with how people are literally changing the way they approach design, even development, copywriting. You know, times are changing. Tim, get us in tune with a quick snapshot of of of, of what you're trying to educate people on what's going on out there. You bet. Well, I would say that um, you know, of course. Online marketing is a is an applied discipline. The reason for it is to, is to make money, so we have to be practical and see what works. And what most people do is they keep doing whatever they've had success with in the past. And one huge component of online marketing is, of course, driving traffic to your website or landing page. And uh, that's pretty much been optimized. Uh, there are hundreds of experts in the area and thousands of people that do it hands-on every day. And uh, there's not a lot of efficiency to be squeezed out of that. But relative to other activities, it's been what's easy, and people have been optimizing it as much as they can. Landing page testing, and the reason that I wrote this book, is a much broader field. It requires a lot of different competencies and and a a bigger team, ideally, if you're going to put it to work. So this is where it gets a little harder, but also there are huge gains huge financial gains to be captured by doing landing page optimization. Let's talk about the ingredients for success with landing page optimization. Run us down through some of the bullet points of what you need to actually improve conversion rates on your website. Do you need designers, copywriters, teams of people? Do you need technology? Give us, Spin us down through what you think you need to be successful with, with this new art you're bringing to the table here and to the masses? Well, I have a, a whole chapter on uh, getting it done, and I talk about the usual suspects, and these are folks that ideally should be involved in your program. That ranges from your, your webmaster, your online marketing and brand manager, your product manager, uh, graphic design folks, usability experts, copywriters, 
as you can see, it's a real diverse set of, uh, of skills that's required. And the problem is everybody's been looking at it from their own kind of siloed perspective. So one of my hopes with this book is um, if you're already an expert in one of these areas, that you'll at least understand the perspective and the contribution of the others, uh, that, because that's going to be required to, to do something effective. Hmm. Now, if you... I'm going to, I'm, here comes the tough questions, Tim. We, we always have them on the show. But uh, everyone, I think, probably listening to the show understands multivariant testing, A-B testing, landing page optimization. After all, this is webmasterradio.fm, right? So my question is, you know, let's suggest that you and, and, and testing, testing specialists like yourself learn that uh, that everyone in the financial industry seems to respond uh, uh, and to sign up more, take action more on a website that's primarily a green palette, right? Okay. Do you ever worry that that once everyone in the industry catches on to a higher conversion rate, that every single site in the financial industry will therefore be a green site? Does that ever concern you that testing may be leading us down a path where all websites will look the same because they will perform better? So instead of a bunch of different uh, colored birds, we're all going to end up with pigeons. <laughs> exactly. Because they work. Uh, well, right. I, I'm actually not too worried about that because every business is different. Uh, specifically, their brand is different, their, their market penetration or awareness in people's minds. What they're trying to accomplish on their landing page is often very different. The audience, certainly, that arrives at their landing page or website is radically different depending on their marketing programs. So we're trying to optimize for them, and we always use the company's current page as the starting point, and, it, and we evolve it and, and test it from there. So it's, it, if someone else has a different business, a different audience, they'll different traffic sources, they're often going to come up with a, a, a much different optimized page. And you can't just steal from your competitors and repurpose it and hope that it's going to work for you. Hmm. Perfect segue into my next question. I have a new term for your glossary when you do your version, volume two, version two of your book. And I want to ask you about it. it it's what I call landing page optimization hijacking, where you're actually learning which of your competitors are have hired Tim Ash and Site Tuners <laughs> and you're following them with binoculars, seeing what they're what they're doing, seeing what pages seem to pass the test inspection, seeing what's converting the best. Um, you've got multiple computers running, you're you're going and you're basically stealing the creative of what you're doing for a particular client. You're a competitor of that client. Mm -hmm. Is this possible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can use something like the Wayback Machine to see a snapshot of every website that existed on the Internet at any time. So uh, you can always see what your competitors are doing, maybe not with specialized landing pages and so on, but certainly big websites. But, uh, again, that doesn't really tell you anything. I mean, I hear about these so-called learnings from landing page tests and, oh, well, with 2020 hindsight, we think this is why it worked. Um, doing that or stealing your competitor's content isn't really going to get you very far. Unless, of course, you have a horrible site, in which case pretty much anything will improve its conversion. Tell the audience a little bit about the variable nature of traffic that comes to your site. Um, 
you know, different creative for different times of year, different times of day, weekend buyers versus weekday buyers. This is a complex series of alternatives that people uh, that like you are faced with. What, what are you doing to try to accommodate all of these variables? Uh, well, there's uh, there's some that are unavoidable. Well, just let's take a step back and talk about the assumptions behind landing page testing. What what it's all based on are, is statistics. So we're assuming that if we uh, show people different versions of your page and they prefer a certain one, that other people drawn from the same group are going to respond similarly. In other words, your audience doesn't change. But we know that's actually not the case. Uh, there are, as you mentioned, time of day effects or day of week effects. Weekend people surfing from home behave very differently than those surreptitiously trying to buy something online during their lunch break at work. I mean, these are well-known things. There are also strong seasonality factors in uh, travel, for instance, or any kind of gift giving around holidays. For instance, Mother's Day coming up here for the flower industry would be an obvious example. Uh, so a lot of times uh, you're, you know that the assumption of your audience staying the same is not true. And in those industries and in those kind of peaky environments, it's very difficult to do testing, uh, especially because you know the spikes are so short-lived. You have these giant bumps in traffic, people coming in at the last minute trying to get something done under some kind of deadline, and then they go away, and the regular people, as it were, the rest of the year behave very differently. So there are limitations to testing, and, and that's the same reason we don't recommend that you try it with with mailing lists and uh, you know, spiky drops of traffic. Testing really works best when you have fresh visitors coming to your site. So whatever your online uh, traffic acquisition programs are, that's, that's what you should use to, to drive traffic. This is, a, this is, let me premise this question as almost uh, self-promotional, so I'll footnote it by saying that. But, and, and I'm referring to Idea Launch and the company that, that I started that you and I have talked about, Tim, that offers creative services for, for multivariate testing. But with that disclosure on it, what do you think the big bottlenecks are with multivariate testing? And certainly technology and understanding the technology come into play as well. But as you work with clients and as you see more and more people talk with you about their problems and why this is hard to launch, what, what are you seeing as the bottleneck to successful testing and in improving conversion rates? Well, uh, I see two main bottlenecks. Uh, one, as you mentioned, is the technology. And even though the Internet's an accountable medium and uh, we get plenty of pre-canned reports in our pay-per-click campaigns and so on telling us what's going on, we're used to some level of looking at numbers, people are very uncomfortable when you talk about statistics or error bars or all of the messy stuff that's really behind landing page testing. Now, we can hide a lot of that in the tools, and our own tuning engine tool completely hides that, so what you get at the end of the landing page test is a better performing page. You don't have to worry about how it was done or any of the statistics. So that's one way to deal with it. But I think that when people hear multivariate testing to Gucci method, they just kind of run for the hills. Because a lot of us came into marketing to get away from math. Haven't done it since uh, since college. <laughs> the other issue that we find is that uh, the people that created the page are part of the problem. In other mm. words, they are within a certain corporate culture. They have a set of certain assumptions. They have constraints on them for political reasons within the company. And so they 
can't really come up with the radical breakthroughs and ideas of what to test because it's them being in the forest or rather among the trees that prevents them from seeing the bigger forest. So a lot of times what companies like yours do is very valuable to come in with a fresh perspective and decide what to test uh, from a clean slate. Do you think that that theory has been proven fairly accurate with even in-house creative departments versus hiring creative out-of-house? I mean, uh, you know, it's, isn't it's, this a historic problem? Yes, and, and again, you know, we're very numbers-based, so I just go by the numbers. I happen to be looking at Marketing Sherpa's uh, latest landing page handbook, and the very first table, Table 1-1 in it, looks at conversion rates for different types of search. And what they've shown is that in-house managed search does worse, significantly worse, than outsourced managed search for both PPC and natural search engine optimization. So mm. it, it, the outside perspective, companies that are specializing and only doing one thing exclusively often delivers better results. And that's just the fact. It's not a slam on, on all of the, the folks working really hard in-house. Hmm. Predict the future for us, particularly with regards to technology and um, suggesting visualization of technology and just plain making it easier to test him. Where do you see this industry going in two or three years, four years from now? Well, where we're trying to um, send it or drive it or direct it, our contribution, is to really fully automate this. And what I mean by that is the contribution of the marketing folks should be in the what goes into the test. They should decide what ideas they want to test. Of course, those have to be implemented. You know, you might have to write new copy, create new graphics, or maybe even make some functional changes to your site for that. But that's the creative work. That's where the big value add is. How the math works behind the scenes is, again, something that we just want to hide completely and say, look, we have a completely automated self-tuning system the tuning engine, which gives you the best answer at the end of the day. You don't have to learn statistics. You don't have to look at reports. Again, getting rid of that technical adoption barrier and, and saying, you, you know, you don't have to learn one more realm, which is the, the complex math of tuning. Instead, just uh, if we can produce a verifiably better performing landing page, put that to use immediately. Can we talk about your new patent-pending technology that you're rolling out to the masses? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, we, we've been using it uh, for a while, and basically the, the gist of it is that most of the math that's out there right now, the Gucci method and variations on design of experiments, basically standard multivariate testing, it was really taken from the setting of 1920s and 30s manufacturing technology, and it was applied to the landing page optimization with a lot of incorrect assumptions built in. So the the upshot is that you're restricted to running much smaller tests, and you can't take into account variable interactions, in other words, context. So you assume that all of the things in your test are independent of each other, which is clearly not true since as marketers, we're trying to create synergies among all of the elements on our landing page. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to get rid of those limitations, and our tuning engine allows us to run much larger tests, several orders of magnitude larger on the same data rate, same number of conversions per day, and we take into account the context in which 
page elements are seen. Doesn't the flow of the actual creative messaging get jumbled with the randomization that you're describing? You bring up a very important point. Uh, since all of the things that go into your test are, are rotated and, and shown pretty much at random to different visitors, it is possible to have an inconsistent message or two things that cancel each other out or undercut each other. So it's very important when you design a test to realize that any of these elements can be juxtaposed with any of the others. And, and that's just a, that's one of the tricky things about doing good test design and deciding what to show. How do you I hand, need to jump in here, Yeah, guys. please we, jump we, in. Because I love hearing about all this stuff. I mean, the only reason I'm not participating is I have nothing to bring to the table on this subject. <laughs> but um, I am learning a lot here. I mean, Tim, you have a great way of of really, you know, simplifying things and making it easy for people who aren't even a part of this whole business, you know, business world, really understand what you're doing. And I think it's really revolutionary. We are running out of time, but before we run out of time too much, I am dying to hear your tips because I know you brought some tips with you today. Yes, uh, I have uh, four tips that can pretty much be put to use right away if you're thinking about testing. These are uh, some of our top recommendations. There's no single prescription that's going to fit everybody, but these are general themes that, uh, that work uh, in many, many situations. The first and probably most important is less is more. Uh-huh. A lot of times as marketers, we add a bunch of stuff to a page. We try to convince people. Uh, we give them a lot of different information, and instead, t- study after study has shown that if you strip things down, you're going to get better results, both in conversion as well as retention of the information that you presented. Okay. So sometimes the starkest-looking pages are actually the best-performing. Really? That's interesting. Yes. So so they, we're going to use the KISS model on that one, the keep it simple, right? Ex- exactly. Perfect. Uh, the next is test the call to action. And this has many components. This might be how you present the call to action, You know, of course, the, the usual button colors, the button styles the headline, the actual offer that makes up the call to action, what's the bribe that you're trying to get them to act on, that's probably the most important thing on the page, as long as you make that clear. Uh-huh. Uh, another important thing is, is your writing style and copywriting. And one of the things that I, I talk about a lot is just dropping the marketees. Uh-huh. In other words, kind of the BS and cutting through it. Don't use any subjective words. Uh-huh. Don't say we're the best, the world's greatest, use superlatives <laughs> and adjectives, just the facts, ma'am. And if I you like keep it. it factual, what it does is it decreases people's cognitive load. They don't have to filter out your BS. They just uh-huh. get at the information directly, and they're more likely to act on it. Good. So effective copywriting, huge key. That's a good tip for our writers. Well, just n- n- non-subjective copywriting. Uh-huh. That's factual copywriting, I would say. And then finally, the most important thing is really to look at it from the user's perspective. Most of us are looking from the company out, and we should be looking from the user in. And the uh-huh. users just care about what's in it for them. They don't care about you. They care about themselves and what they're trying to accomplish. They're busy, selfish, and self-absorbed, and that's a fact. Uh-huh. And when you put on that kind of mindset, you'll create very different landing pages than you have right now. Fantastic. Thank you. These are great tips, Tim, really. Thank you very much. 
You should write for Life, t- life Tips. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw you into the pool of our, our gurus. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to us today and uh, for bringing all your expertise for the, to the table. And do you want to give us a, a good shout-out as to where we can find your book online? Yeah, if you go to landingpageoptimizationbook.com, there's information about the book. You can go to autograph copies, and there are other resources uh, that you'll probably find very helpful. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. My Tim, pleasure. Tim, we look forward to a, yet another update from you. One one thing that might be interesting for the audience is, do you ever think you could do like a 20-minute clinic of, of somebody live on the show someday, um, possibly a month or two down the, ride, down the road, a call it a speed, you know, they have speed dating, right? Yeah, so, well, we call it, uh, we have done things like that in the past. Uh, we call it extreme site makeover, and we'd be glad to uh, <laughs> to take pot shots at, at anybody who's, who's willing to take the heat. There you go. Well, let's see if we can set that up on the show sometime. I think that would be a really fun show, uh, and I'd have a go at it with you as well so we could entertain the crowd with your thoughts versus my thoughts and and maybe even implement it uh, as part of the program to see if your ideas versus my ideas would perform better. I can almost guarantee that yours would perform better, but mine might know. look better. I don't know about that, <laughs> but like in the in the old Saturday Night Live skit, you know, Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, it, it's good fun. It really is. And uh, it, when you when you see a client, which you have many times, Glenn, uh, I'm sure Tim just. Look at the data and look at the statistics and say, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, isn't that something that you really see all the time? Yes. I mean, what you, what you brought up, just kind of taking a look at a site, it, I, we've been talking mostly about testing, and I just want to you know, end on something that we announced here at SES New York recently. Uh, smaller businesses often ask us, what can we do? Because we don't have the data rate for testing. And we've recently come out with a landing page conversion audit. This could be a page or a a site as a whole. We'll kind of go in there and give you our best practices analysis of what's wrong with the site and then give you mock-ups of screenshots that uh, would incorporate all of our recommendations for improvement so you could take them off to your web development folks and say, here, build this. That has a lot of value independent of testing. So I don't mean to say the only way forward is testing. A lot of times... Uh, usability and conversion experts can get you a large part of the way there just by telling you how to fix the obvious stuff. Sounds great. Well, thanks again for being on the show, Tim. Always a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you at the next show we both attend and and or speak at, and I look forward to uh, circling with you and catching up with you soon. Thanks again. It was really fun. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, Mandy. Until next week, hope your life was a little bit smarter, better, faster, and wiser, particularly with regards to landing page optimization. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.